0: What up? My name is Orlando Thompson, and my guest today is Dr. Kia Craft. And this is episode three of The B-Side, brought to you by Some College Radio. Why The B-Side? This show is analog. We stay true to the old school and record our shows on compact cassette tapes. Primarily for nostalgia. It ain't really that cost effective, but I do get cool points when I whip out the recorder. When we meet new people, we usually only get the A-side. Baker, artist, doctor, student, rarely do we meet the people behind the profession. This show is a journey, an exploration into the B-side of life. I'm seeking the backstories that make people who they are. On today's show, I'm talking with Dr. Kia Craft about activism, food, and what it's like growing up in the USA as an all-American immigrant girl. I'm Orlando, and this is the B-Side. So Kia, welcome to the B-Side.
1: Thank you, I'm excited to be here.
0: Here at your own home,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna pretend like I'm on Diane Ream.
0: <laughs> well, I'll try to ask some questions <laughs> as Diane Reem would ask them. So, okay, that was really bad. I said, <laughs> Sorry, Diane. <laughs> we love
1: you, Diane.
0: <laughs> I hope you're, you're, uh, she has a podcast. I hope that's doing well. That's right. I've never listened to it, I haven't listened to it. I now I listen to 1A. Yes,
1: that's like I a do plus too. 1A. I don't,
0: I know. What are we doing? I don't know you people. This is an NPR. I don't owe them anything. <laughs> Surely I have not contributed, so maybe I do owe them. So yeah, 1A is a pretty good show. I really enjoy the show. And Diane Rima, I hope you're doing well wherever you are. I agree with all of those sentiments. And I hope that takes the place of actual payment to NPR <laughs> <laughs> for the, for this next year. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, anyways, but now on to the, our show, the B side. I'm here with Kia Kraft How you doing, Kia?
1: I'm great.
0: So, Kia and I are, are pretty good friends, I would think. I think so. Yeah, it's been a few. It's been a couple of years, at least. <laughs> yeah, like a few we years, go maybe? back. We go yeah, pretty far back.
1: We go back. Yeah, a few uh, years. <laughs>
0: So, the reason I'm having this is because I don't know a whole lot about Kia. Like, I, I think I know a lot about Kia, but I, I'm i pretty sure that there's some other stuff in there I don't know. So, that's why I'm here.
1: Okay. I'm ready the, to reveal everything. Yeah, I
0: want the real. For the
1: B-side. I want
0: the real. <laughs> so, a quick bio of Kia is um, she's a professor at Sanford. That's right. Sanford University. What do you teach over
1: there? Uh, I'm an... In- english professor technically an assistant professor of english and i teach um uh this is terrible i'm a bad interviewer well, me already
0: What 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 does that even mean assistant professor because you have your own class
1: that's right so there's just different levels in academia of how um well, secure you are okay. at the university. Um, and so there's three levels, assistant professor, associate professor, and full professor. Okay. And so assistant is the lowest rank of all of those. Oh,
0: It's the bottom <laughs> of the barrel, Bottom,
1: professor. yep. But that, those are all tenure track or tenure line. And then there are peop- a lot of people who teach who are lecturers mm. or... Um, considered adjunct, adjunct faculty and that's a that's a kind of separate category so
0: and that's even below the bottom of the barrel
1: it is below the bottom that's of like the barrel you pick the
0: barrel up and you got that murky stuff underneath mm-hmm. the oh and adjunct.
1: it's you know it's a reminder that every field is fraught with its yeah. inequalities and its problems and academia is no different from any other
0: That's crazy. And I know some adjuncts that are really good professors. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, dude, you're like really freaking good.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the challenge with being an adjunct is because you don't have secure, um, you don't have a lot of job security and you're not being paid well, and a lot of them are teaching a lot of courses at a lot of different universities. It's hard to be a good teacher.
0: Sorry. Sorry. For a moment, your cat just like grabbed me and, and like... So he has this cat, it's kind of old, and it's really friendly, so it just kind of clawed my leg just a minute ago. Oh and I, I froze. Because <laughs> if I move, I know that he would gouge out a piece of my flesh. But
1: <laughs> We can put him in the other room if we need to.
0: That's all right. Um, so explain what, what it is that you teach.
1: Uh, So my area of focus is 19th century British literature, Um, Mm. and I guess the shorthand I would say is that that's the great age of the novel, Um, and it's a period during which there was a particular format of publication Mm. um, where people usually began by serializing their fiction in, like, monthly magazines, and then they would get a deal with a book publisher to publish it in three volumes, mm. and then those three volumes would be individually um, made into individual books, and a lot of like libraries like to carry those because it could run out like one volume at a time so it's a it's a strange stage of um, publishing history, um, but that three decker novel is like the almost like the invention of the victorian mm. period or it's like what became very popular during that period, um, and that really accounts for those, like, really long, massive, like, 800-page give me, novels.
0: Give me an example of a book that I may know.
1: So Charles Dickens' Great Expectations oh. would have been first published in serial form. And I'm not sure how many volumes that would have been when it finally came out. But um, George Eliot's Middlemarch, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Jane Eyre.
0: Oh, I read that.
1: Yeah bronte charlotte bronte's jane eyre um pride and prejudice three volumes so i mean all of those kind of classic 19th century novels a lot of them not all of them and you know obviously there were there was some variation yeah um but publishers really like that three volume format so um for me it's thinking about that big long novel and Mm. what it's cultural work was during the period that I think is interesting, and I think is interesting for students, even though it poses a challenge for reading <laughs> all those pages.
0: Um, I, I'm reading a book now. It's, gonna ta- it's been taking me months to read this book, and it's just because I, I work. I mean, that's basically like... You do? It, it sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Once you get a job, yeah. it really just kind of cuts out everything else. It mm-hmm. just, you know, it dominates your entire life. For eight hours a day, but the most crucial eight hours.
1: Yeah, well, and it can be an exhausting eight hours.
0: And those are my reading hours. Yes. So. Yes. I think I'm gonna start bringing the book to work. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I hope your employer isn't listening to this.
0: <laughs> They'll just be popping their head in my office more often than they than they do already. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's get let's get to let's get to you. What. Where's, where's Kia from? Where's, that, where's, where's Kia come from?
1: The name or Let's, me as I'm, a person?
0: I'm actually throwing it out there as an open question. Oh, I want to okay. get a little bit of both. So we <laughs> right. can start with the name and then move on to where you actually come from.
1: Um, well, actually, let me do it the other way around. Okay. Um, so I was born in Korea. I was born somewhere outside of Seoul. Mm. And somehow I ended up um, at a police station in Seoul, Korea, which is what you would have done if you couldn't take care of your child um, and then put in an orphanage Mm -hmm. and so during that time my parents were interested in international adoption, um, looking into Korean adoption Um, and uh, you know probably over the course of a year they went through the whole process of adoption with Mm -hmm. interviews and all the various things that you have to do to adopt a kid and meanwhile i was placed with a foster family to try to somewhere in seoul korea to kind of try to acclimate me (laughs) socialize me i guess um and then remarkably i think just put on a plane with a bunch of other (laughs) korean kids bound for chicago illinois and so i landed at o'hare um and my parents showed up, and my parents. So my so here's where the name part comes in. Okay. This is not a Korean name. My Korean name actually was Kyung Sook Kim.
0: Kyung Sook Kim.
1: And we have those documents, those papers. Nice. And uh, my dad had spent time in Bolivia as uh, while he was working for the Peace Corps. Okay. And there, the indigenous language is Quechuan. Okay. And in that language, Kia means moon. But it's not like a written language, really. So I think that's sort of part of the inspiration. And then he had like Swedish roommates in college. And according to him, Kia is a Swedish name. For what? Which kind of makes sense given IKEA.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what is what does IKEA actually mean? I don't know. Okay, so but what...
1: my point is, <laughs> this shouldn't sound that unfamiliar right. to us, to the layperson, as a kind of Swedish root.
0: What's funny is the name doesn't seem that. Un... See, there he goes. The, the cat is like Kwan <laughs> <clawing> me. <laughs> um, the name doesn't seem that um, like far off. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? it's not
1: like exotic. It's yeah. not that exotic. It's and, not
0: crazy exotic, yeah. Uh,
1: and so then I lived the rest of my life in Southern Illinois, Okay. a small town called Carbondale.
0: Carbondale?
1: Carbondale.
0: Carbondale.
1: Uh, coal mining.
0: It kind of sounds, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but it, it sounds like, you know, a carbon copy of some other yes. small town somewhere else.
1: There's a Carbondale, Colorado. <laughs> I think there are a few other Carbondales. Which, which one was first? I don't know, but I suspect they all started with coal. <laughs>
0: They're like this is a clever name, Carbondale, <laughs> <laughs> like the coal we coal for. I don't know if you coal for coal. Do you coal for coal? How do you?
1: Well, I mean, you must mine for it, right?
0: So was that in in your family's family?
1: Uh, no, my parents ended up there because they were college professors. Okay. and Southern Illinois University is there. Okay. So. Um,
0: Where are they actually from?
1: Uh, my dad grew up in Wisconsin.
0: Mmm, milk country. His
1: family is German um and
0: did you ever um, figure out how they got there uh germany
1: they well oh so i think there were some uh there's actually kind of a long story about german immigrants i think who settled around chicago but they bought Mm. a bunch of land in michigan um my dad's great great uncle bought a bought a huge plot of land in Michigan, which mm. is why my extended family spends a lot of time in Michigan. So, you know, they kinda ended up in the Midwest and my dad's family in particular um, was in Milwaukee. Oh. And then, uh, there, and there were tons of like German immigrants in Milwaukee. Oh, that's when
0: so the beer started, right? i seen the commercial. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the commercial. Budweiser commercial.
1: <laughs> um, and my mom's family came to Detroit via Canada.
0: Okay.
1: Scotland to Canada. Or no, England, actually. She just found out that a bunch of her relatives are from Cornwall. <laughs> and then Canada and then Detroit, which is just right across the border. You guys are all I mean, foreigners. they were probably illegal immigrants crossing the border.
0: Do they have their papers now?
1: <laughs> we all got our papers now. But here's something that I think, you know, I've been telling this story a lot recently yeah. because I think it's really important in our own moment. When I arrived in Chicago um, in O'Hare the I didn't ha- I did not have the correct mm. citizenship documents and so I was actually supposed to, when I landed, I was actually already supposed to be an American citizen. Right. All of those papers were supposed to have been processed. Um, and I was no longer a Korean citizen. Like, so that all was supposed to happen. Wow. Like, um, and that didn't happen that way. And my papers were not correct. And I'm not sure what I qualified as, but it would, I think, now be like a non-resident alien yeah. status. And my parents had to like call their senators, call their representatives and try to get my essentially my naturalization fast-tracked because I wasn't even supposed to have to go through the naturalization process. Um, And that was a very long, drawn out, I think, difficult, expensive process. And the reason why I bring this up is that there are a lot of Korean American adoptees who had that similar situation. Whose parents didn't get those papers sorted out and some of them have been deported and seriously I know people and they've grown <laughs> up in the us um, and I know someone who's an immigration lawyer who told me she's working with someone who has to report yearly to the federal government
0: so they would send them back to Korea
1: well I mean that that's happened in one case I'm not you know I think the question is what do we do with these people yeah. we've got um, Immigration is so complicated yeah. in our nation, and I think trying to simplify it, trying to say like there are just good immigrants and bad immigrants, or legal immigrants and illegal mm-hmm. immigrants, really is a um, an oversimplification of a really, really complicated situation.
0: Mm-hmm. So my question was, what crazy way have you taken? What crazy ways have you taken to reclaim yourself, like to find yourself, reclaim yourself? I know when I was in high school, uh, you know, I was all well. that was like Malcolm X had dropped, you know, Spike Lee's Malcolm X yeah. had dropped. You know, everybody was wearing X, X hats, and uh, that's had, right.
1: I remember that, and not really knowing at the time, to- understanding at the time what that was uh, about. Yeah.
0: We had like um, Africa medallions, you know, and, and it, it was all funny. It could all came to a head when somebody was like, "I don't know where I heard this, but it was, it was wrapped up in this. If you went back to Africa, I don't think that they would accept you the way you think that they would accept you." Interesting. And, and Interesting. Was, yeah. Yeah. It just sort of made sense. It was like, oh yeah, well, I'm not actually from there, so it's not like they would just, you know, that's not really my home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah but yeah. anyway,
0: but how did you? Um,
1: so I, I can't say that I've, I've really done this along kind of ethnic or racial lines. Um, I've never been back to Korea. I have a friend, though. Never been back to Korea? Uh-uh.
0: Never, have you ever wanted to go back to
1: Korea? So I've thought about it. I have a friend whose mom is Korean and whose mom is currently living in Korea. And we've actually talked about me going with her sometime mm. to Seoul. Um, but obviously I don't know the language. I don't know the culture at all. Did your Um,
0: parents ever try to interject any of the nothing?
1: (laughs) No. And I don't, I don't blame them for that. And I also think it was a different time, you know, in the nineties, I think multiculturalism, while it was very current, it was very in the let's all get along and let's all, um, find our common ground and not worry so much about our differences. Yeah. And I, I understand where that comes from. Um, so, you know, no, I really didn't have any education, you know, cultural education. Mm. And as I said, you know, I really don't identify as Korean American. Mm. I, I identify as a American American who's ethnically Asian.
0: What did you do when you saw shows like, um, oh, man, there's this show, uh, I think it would ha- it had Bruce Lee's son in it. And, oh, yeah, was, like
1: karate? No. It like,
0: was a, yeah, it was a karate show. A karate and then there's another dude or... next to him, and they would, like, fight I I just so, never saw. So, like, you saw stuff like that, I didn't,
1: what did you even think? I didn't see that. You know, I think, here's what I would say. Uh-huh. I would say that um, I'm a huge fan of therapy.
0: Okay. <laughs> and I
1: do think that I went through this phase as an adult being like, I'm not really sure I know who I am, but I didn't see that in like ethnic terms. Right. I mean that in a very like, what do I want? What do I like? What do I, I think, um, like, I, I like I freaking love Korean food. And to me, that seems probably like somewhat genetic. <laughs> like, you know, like, um, I, you know, so I, I, th- I, I, so let me give you an explanation, like uh, give you an analogy, okay. um, kind of bridging that gap from where you are and where I am. There's this moment in *The Invisible Man*, where the main character has traveled north and he's left the south, and he he's sort of thinking of the north as this place maybe where he can fulfill his hopes of who he can be in a less racially um, divided mm-hmm. region. And he gets up there and he realizes it's just a different form of oppression. You know, it doesn't look the same as in the South, but it's yeah. different. And he sees this guy on the street selling sweet potatoes. Mm. And he suddenly realizes that he wants, like, he wants one so badly. <laughs> and then he feels the shame of wanting one. You know, because for him, it's like yeah. identified with that Southern racial identity. Um, and he's embarrassed and ashamed of his taste. And then he realizes, when did I learn not to like... What I like, right? Like, where does that come from? And I think for me, as someone who, um, I I think I spent a lot of my very young adulthood thinking I knew exactly who I was and what I wanted, and then at some point I realized I'm not really sure if that's true, right? So, um, you know, th- therapy seemed to me to be a way to kind of get at some of that, yeah. Um, I I would like to go to Korea, um. I don't want to pretend that that wouldn't be as a tourist. Right. I mean, it would be very much as a tourist.
0: It'd be very odd for you too.
1: It would be very strange.
0: Because I go places, and I like I've I've gone to Arab countries, and I've been uh, mistaken for Omani. I've been mistaken oh, for African. I've been spoken to in French and yeah, Arabic, would, yeah. and you know all these different languages. Um, so I can only imagine when you hit Korea that they're going <laughs> to,
1: <laughs> but I also think, you know, I'm sure they'll see that I'm Americanized. You know, I I think they, they have to be just as, I mean, just like if you saw like a, a white French person walking down the street, you'd be aware that they weren't American, yeah. you know, yeah. they'd open their mouth and you'd know instantly, <laughs> this is not, you know, and you'd also like realize that they were way more put together. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um. So,
0: well, what, you know, what? I have
1: a curiosity and I have an interest, but I don't confuse that with like a, a finding a part of myself that I'm alienated from. And mm. I saw this PBS documentary um, made by this Korean American adoptee. She's a filmmaker and she went, she has the same story, adopted yeah. from Korea. She went to find her parents. Oh, wow. And it it's a documentary of her going to meet them and and she gets there and her mom is kind of like what are you doing here (laughs) and she's you know and her mom's like listen it's not that i it's not that uh, and of course there's a language there's a translator there's a language barrier but in a sense as far as i could tell the mom was kind of saying like there's a reason i put you up for adoption Mm -hmm. i have 10 kids (laughs) When you came along, I knew we weren't going to be able to give you a good life. So, say so you're in an orphanage, and you went to America, and you had a great life. What are you doing here? <laughs> hey, now you're back
0: here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the, I mean, and her, and her mom is like so matter of fact. She's right. not mean, um, but it's not our, and I would say like our American notion of emotionality. Yeah. like
0: The romantic side of things. Yeah, uh, the romance
1: yeah. of family. Mm-hmm. I think there is nothing more powerful than the American romance of the nuclear family yeah. that I think is actually, um, maybe from the outside we can see it as strange. I don't want to suggest like parents shouldn't love their kids and kids shouldn't love their parents. It's a, it's a very parents, weird
0: but... thing. I mean, we've grown up with it, but like, you know, it's a very weird thing to think about because like, yeah, we look at ourselves as these like, you know, like raising kids. is like, a is a big thing here, you know, if you have a child, the hovering over your kid is, a, is an issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, making sure that they don't get boo-boos or, yeah. you know, th- uh, they go to the right schools and all these different things. It's like, but uh, I don't know. At some point, are we doing too much? But the outside would definitely say, you guys are doing way too much. Just let your kid run around, uh, yeah. be a kid, scream, yell, cut their whatever, and spank them, and then you send them on their way. Like, that's yeah. what kids do. And then you put them to work as soon as they can work mm-hmm. so they can make some money for the mm-hmm. house. Well, we don't do that over here. We wait until... Yeah. We're 30 before we will you know, some kids are 30. They still haven't made a dollar for the house. Yeah. (laughs) They may never make money for the house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to suggest that there's something wrong with, um, with really wanting to cultivate little people. Right. Um, and not just seeing childhood as a stage unlike any other, but, uh, but but I think there is something bizarre about how obsessive we are about yeah. nuclear families. And I think that's also about, you know, it's as much about parents and parental idea, identity as it is about children and childhood identity. Mm-hmm. And at the risk of sounding really terrible on what will now be on rec- on the record. It's and, on the record now. Yeah. Um, There's a piece of me that felt a little pause with the gay marriage movement. Not Mm. because I don't think gay people should have the exact same rights as everybody else, but it seemed to me like that was the pinnacle of social accomplishment. Mm. And what bothers me is not gay marriage, but what bothers me is the idea that that creating of the family unit is for us the ultimate... Personal achievement, right. And we really mm. don't have any other comparable personal achievements. Like, we have professional achievements, and yep. then we have personal achievements, and the personal achievements are solely around a mom and dad, or two moms and two dads, and a couple yep. of kids, and that's it. That's I mean, it. there's no other measure in our society for being like a friggin' great person.
0: That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need a little bit more out of life than that. I want yeah, a third I mean, category. Yeah,
1: I mean, I just, I, I so I I think that's something I've you know thought a lot about. You know. I mean. I mean, I'm I'm 35 and unmarried. Does that make me a failure as a human
0: being? I mean, <laughs> Maybe, it
1: Maybe that's why I've been in therapy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really it's really terrible to think about it that way. I mean, I I'm married. I don't have any kids. But does that make me a failure? I'm sure a lot of people do. I come from, my wife is, uh, you know, she's a foreigner, basically. And, you know, I'm basically a foreigner with foreigner parents and stuff like that. So they're all looking at us like, where, that, where the hell are the kids? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess in that aspect, I have failed. And mm. then, you know, work is like, I'm not the boss. Uh, you know what I mean? What, yeah. what, do we, what do we make of that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There needs to be a third category for... Us. Yeah,
1: or just like a sense that a rich life is going to look like, and you know.
0: I think we sort of have that. I mean, I know you a little bit, and we spend time, we hang out, and I think that is that third sort of care- category, yeah. you know, like having friends, going yeah, yeah, out, yeah. being, you know, sociable. Mm-hmm. Like the, that social aspect, I feel like it dies once you have like family and kids it, it, for I, a lot of people.
1: I think, I think you have to work
0: super too super hard very hard it, which it. my parents did yeah. not they didn't work that hard. my parents
1: it. didn't either they just had yeah. people
0: in the house like they, yeah. well it was like regardless of the kids we still are young adults and we want to have a life outside of our kids regardless of the kids so we just yeah. kind of hung out in our with our own selves while they had like their you know they had their parties or they That's had their kids together yeah. yeah it was great for them you know and for us yeah. it was kind of cool too but yeah. like I feel like I've seen less of that in my adult life mm-hmm. with adults. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Than I did when I was a kid.
1: I think that yeah. And my parents really um, didn't have a.
0: They didn't a, have a social life. A,
1: yeah, I mean, a, they didn't have a really. I don't want to say I'm trying to act like constant. I mean, it's yeah. not like they didn't do things, and it's yeah. not like they didn't have friends, but they didn't have those kind of like. Friendships, you just get out of constant, continuous contact with a certain group of people, which, you know, I actually feel like we have. Um, We're kind of starting to build. I know we haven't lived... Both of us haven't lived here that long, no. so it's not like we're drawing upon a, a rich well of old
0: <laughs> no, we're just <laughs> associations. We're, we're building it. Like we're building the foundation yeah. for what would hopefully be a uh, a long, very prosperous sort of friendship.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's like one of those things that that kind of accomplishment. Like when I look at people, and yeah. I, I don't really count myself in this category, <laughs> but I look at people who have had friends who are. Real friends, yeah, not just friends who they talk to once a month, but rich, sustaining friendships that have lasted two decades. That I don't and understand. And I am that. just like, I mean, that to me, how is that not as like crazy. friggin' amazing as having a baby?
0: <laughs> I mean, that's you know? crazy. When I hear about stuff like that, like I remember uh, going back to Diane Rehm. She had a show where she was talking to uh, I think this woman was a priest or something. Did you listen, Did you hear that? I don't.
1: One? I don't know. I don't. And she'd been friends with this so.
0: woman. Since they were like in college or something.
1: Yeah, Diane
0: kind of old. See? So like that's a long time. I know. And, and they and, call yeah. each other once a week just oh, about
1: gosh. to talk. Yeah, I mean Diane is a marvel. That's why we started by
0: talking about <laughs> Diane. And hopefully she'll uh, give me some ratings or something. Professionally I don't know,
1: about... and personally, I <laughs> really I think that's you know, but but I and I don't think that she would. I think people who have really, really rich friendships like that would not yeah. say that those are less important than other accomplishments yeah. that they've had.
0: I, I actually, that, those are one of the things, friends, having great friends, which I have a lot of here, and hopefully this this series of the B-side, is I'll be exploring all of my friends that I've made here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of like, the, the things that I would say is a great accomplishment for me being in Birmingham.
1: Mm-hmm yeah the
0: friends that i've made
1: and here's the thing and um anybody who knows me who might be listening to this at any <laughs> stage ever
0: that won't be me <laughs>
1: know that I, <laughs> I i have a tendency to get very frustrated with um this region this state <laughs> sometimes the city usually with how things are run you know just a sense that things are not being done effectively and efficiently and responsibly and So, you know, as I said, that's a lecture for another time. But I will say in Birmingham, meeting young people Mm -hmm. who are here, either because they've chosen to be here or they've ended up here some way or another, which isn't to say they didn't choose that path. But um, I've just, I've met a lot of interesting, smart people who are open and want to know other people Mm -hmm. and that's not actually true in a lot of other places (laughs) like the culture here is one however problematic in various ways of like a real friendly openness and a desire to kind of really know people in some kind of like deeper sense and i you know i think i've i've spent a lot of time in communities where you know people there's a lot of one-upping like and here's what I know, and here's what I know, but I know this, but I know that. Uh, and that's part of being like an academic. Yeah. But um, here I've met people who really just seem to be interesting and interested in yeah. each other and in trying to not just, not just produce what they do, but to share it. I guess yeah. that's what I mean. Like artists and, and um, intellectuals and writers and journalists who are really interested in, in the exchange and flow. Yeah. Of ideas that I think is what builds a st- strong community.
0: Interesting. This is definitely a good place for that, for the time being.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> um, I left my book of questions at home, and I'm trying to think of a good way that we could start to the closing of this session. Yeah. All right. Um. But uh, since I always leave my notes where they're not supposed to be, oh, how about (laughs) this? (laughs) Um, So one one aspect of this is uh, the B side is so like a. Really, what I'm doing is I'm mapping out like you know you you know sort of like the cultural you the Mm -hmm. you know personal side you whatever it's you behind the sort of thing. So, now let's get to the cultural side. Let's go, let's talk about really, really quickly, um, because I'm going to have you make uh, some mixtape. What kind of music do you enjoy?
1: (laughs) So, uh, there are people who are listening to this are going to be like, oh boy, so snobby (laughs) and degrade my knowledge and tastes in music. I'm not one of those people who like. Spends a lot of time knowing about music okay I spend a lot of time knowing about a lot of things that other people don't know about <laughs> music is just and I almost don't even I almost think I don't even have like an ear for music, yeah like I have like a palate for food, okay, and then there are people who have like an ear for music you know like they know what they like and they know why they like it and right. they know what's powerful and they know what's good and what's not good like for me all of that energy goes towards like pasta like what's amazing pasta and what's crappy pasta <laughs>
0: like speaking of before we get in the what did you make what what are we going to be eating
1: uh so i made an apple walnut cake okay um just because i saw it on a blue i i I follow a lot of food blogs, <laughs> uh, and I saw it. And I thought, all right, I'll try that. Um, and uh, I just like to have something like that around, like I can eat it for breakfast, before work, during the week, yeah. or, you know, a snack. <laughs> uh, um, I made a deep dish kind of Chicago style pizza. Okay. That's in the fridge. I made that yesterday. What
0: what kind? What uh... Uh,
1: uh, there's a spinach ricotta
0: okay that's the one i can eat yeah and then
1: there's one with um uh pineapple and olive and pickled jalapenos and salami um Mm. so uh but that took like four hours to make my friend sandy came over took us four hours to make these pizzas wow but i don't you know i don't really cook like that on a regular basis it's just every once in a while i think what the heck i'm just gonna spend the afternoon making a pizza um, right, well,
0: what, give me... So music, but yeah. I
1: I do like good music. I just don't. I'm not very articulate about okay. it. Um, you know, like I like Nico Case okay. a lot. I, is. Um, I like uh, Father John Misty, Flea Foxes. <laughs> that kind of that stuff that everybody likes. That's kind of easy to listen to. Okay. Contemporary, not not rock music, but like yeah, huh. derivative of. Um,
0: personal personal book you've read not for school but for yourself
1: so that's tough because almost everything i read overlaps between the two you know what i started reading and i haven't finished but that i really thought was amazing and one day i'll finish is (laughs) jennifer egan's um what is it from the goon squad something from the goon squad (laughs) <laughs> a visit from the goon squad
0: A visit from the goon Squad. I started okay.
1: reading it um gosh maybe it was almost a year ago wow and I got like a quarter of the way through and I was like this is really good yeah and I was just enjoying it you know it's kind of weird but it's really good um so but I but I'm bad at really doing a lot of personal reading because then I just get busy with all the other Worked. stuff I have to read
0: yeah
1: and it just doesn't I'm no, I'm no better than anybody else is in terms of So you don't read
0: you don't read more books than the average. Well, you probably do read more books than the average person. But for your own pleasure, you don't read more books than the average person.
1: That's right. And I read more books than the average person because unlike you, I am reading at work.
0: Yeah. I mean, I go to work
1: and I sit there at my desk (laughs) and I'm like, I'm going to read Tintern Abbey* today and figure out what the heck I'm going to say to my students about it tomorrow. You know, like that's my work. And then I don't, Mm. you know, but that, that prep, like having to know a poem about 20 times better than your students. That's tough. It's like, that's actually hard work. I mean, it doesn't (laughs) sound like it, but it is. Because you got to see all the angles. Yeah. Almost,
0: almost every angle that they bring up to you, you sort of have to have a recant for, or at least have some knowledge to speak on what they're talking about.
1: Yeah. Or just try to guide them through a few different readings. Um, Get them to think about something in a, in a complete, I think ultimately you want your students to come away with a fairly complete understanding of a text, which means mm. that you have to have a very complete understanding yeah. of yeah. it to be able to convey to them a fairly complete understanding of
0: it. Here's um, a question. What is the, you have Korean friends now, right? I do, yeah. Are they actually, f- do they come from korea or do they come the same way
1: No um well so my friend sandy her mom is korean okay. and her dad is american okay. um her last I, I don't know should i maybe i don't know if she wants me eh. to bring her her dad's scottish yeah. background so um so she's grown up in the us she's lived here her whole life but her mom and her grandmother are currently in korea so she does go and spend time there, but she wouldn't identify as, like...
0: Well, I guess what I'm getting at is, and this may or may not ever have happened to you, Nobody's may have ever said this to you, but has anybody ever said to you, that is totally Korean? What is your thing that everybody's like, that is totally Korean? Like, that right there, that thing, niche thing, thing you like, thing you do. And
1: I don't think that's ever been said to me. A, because there might not be anything totally Korean about me, (laughs) or B, because that might sound a little weird to say to someone?
0: <laughs> well, I guess I say that because I I I want to know, and they say this about, you know, like, oh, the African-American, the African culture is still very much apparent yeah. in the music and sure. the dance and the blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe there's something that was kind of traced behind.
1: Um, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I like pickly things, and I think I love kimchi. I think that's probably the most Korean thing about me. I can eat kimchi out of the jar. I I think that's it. I don't think I got anything
0: else. Uh, I'm good with that. You know
1: what, though? I will say this. I think that I can sometimes seem like I have a slightly austere personality. Uh I think that might be kind of. That's it. Asian. That's the Asian. Kind of, I think, you know, when you think about like the Tiger Mom. All right,
0: here, let's do this real fast. We're running out of time. All right. Are you good at math?
1: Not particularly. (laughs) Not really, no. Sometimes I have to think really hard. Like when I'm like, all right, I got to do math here, I'll be like, wait, what's even the equation to be, you know, like it's, I have to think it
0: through. What kind of grades did you get in school?
1: I'm an A minus person. Whoa! Yeah, I'm like uh, I would get some A's. I'd get some B pluses. I'd get some A minuses. But I'm I'm, but I was never a straight A. I I was never going for the hundred percent ever.
0: Do you think some teachers gave you pass because they thought you should have been doing better? Because maybe they missed something. Because you are
1: no. You know what? Every time my parents would go to parent teacher conferences, they would come back with the same complaint basically everybody says you're not living up to your abilities <laughs> and so i actually think like I, the opposite happened they were like you are so much smarter than this like you're supposed to be killing calculus and you're getting a b <laughs> <laughs>
0: like i thought well, but but she is right <laughs> yeah and so i
1: no, i always uh They, my teachers were always frustrated that I was smarter than my grades reflected, but I, but I, I know what it's like as a teacher to have a student who, you know, is so smart and just like not
0: bringing it all it wasn't wasn't like my experience. I went to dinner the other night and I was sitting there with two other ladies. They were uh, white and the waiter came over and this could just been in my head. But the waiter came over and he was telling me like some of the um, the choices for you know the specials or whatever, and he kept telling me the price, and I was like, I'm at a sort of a fancy sort of uh, restaurant. And I'm yeah. like, why do you keep telling me the price? Yeah, you know what I mean. It was it felt very offhanded, like a you know.
1: Yeah, well, and so were there other men at the table?
0: No, it was just me. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think he was. So I. Th- I'm guessing he gave the same spiel to everyone, but he was only giving them to the men.
0: The prices to the men.
1: The the special spiel, was talking mainly to the men, assuming that men were paying.
0: No, it no. was it was me and two uh, two ladies.
1: Right, but he was and, like turning to you.
0: Well. It, I don't know. I got the idea that it wasn't... Because they'd yeah. been there for a little longer than I had yeah. been there. I sort of showed up a okay. little later. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But at the time, yeah, it felt of like... It yeah, It was like, oh, that, is that happening?
1: Yeah. And <laughs> I think that, that's one of those things where you move around in the world often suspicious of
0: yeah.
1: how you're being... And I
0: hated to be suspicious. Seen. It was yeah. one of those times where it was like, okay, I'm hanging out with two white women mm-hmm. at a table... I'm wearing a, um, a scarf from Jordan, so, you know, it's very loud in a time when immigrants aren't the most uh, sought after here mm-hmm. in the United States and been kicked out. So I knew that there was attention to me. However, I thought that I had, by sitting down in that table, mm-hmm. that I had escaped some of that, you know, uh, I don't know.
1: Judgment. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so when he said that to me, it made me think like, oh, I'm still here. Yeah. I can still be seen.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, and here's what I would say, regardless of whatever his intentions or his conscious or unconscious motivations were, I think that privilege is never even asking that question. Never yeah. thinking that someone might be treating you differently than they would treat another patron. Mm. And I think being aware of the fact that you may be treated differently, there's this kind of hyper-awareness you carry around with you. That's a, it's just a kind of like mental burden Yeah. that I don't think everyone experiences, you know? And so it's kind of like, to me, less about the fact that he may have had conscious or unconscious motives, and more about the fact that you have this hyper-awareness of how you're being seen. And that's a consequence of real um, discrimination. You yeah. know, I mean, that, 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 that constantly being aware of that, that's, that's not just in your head, right? you know?
0: Well, now that I had a chance to be on the couch, I think that is a good place to end <laughs> off. <laughs> Thank you, Kia, for Thank you. joining me on the B-side. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. All right. <laughs> that was good.